The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. Karen, the rise in futures follows yesterday's sell-off on Wall Street. All three major indexes fell at least one and a quarter percent. Risk assets took a breather after this month's rally saw global stocks climb to their highest level of the year. Alan Zafrin is a founding partner and co-CEO at IEQ Capital. The market's probably a little bit ahead of itself with full anticipation that rate hikes are over, cuts are coming. But there's probably a bit too much near-term enthusiasm, albeit the long-term constructive view on the American economy remains the same. Equities are part of a well-diversified portfolio, and you can't deny that. You still need to have some equity exposure. IEQ Capital's Alan Zafrin says overbought conditions also contributed to yesterday's selling. Well, Nathan, helping give a lift to equities this morning is Micron Technology. Shares are up about 6% after the company gave a strong revenue forecast for the current period. We get the story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. Micron is the largest American maker of memory semiconductors, and the quarter indicates that data center demand is helping make up for a slowly recovering market for PCs and smartphones. Micron said fiscal second quarter revenue will be $5.1 to $5.5 billion. Now that compares with an average analyst estimate of $4.99 billion. The outlook signals that Micron is through the worst of an industry-wide slump, a moving back toward profitability in new york charlie pellet bloomberg radio all right charlie thank you another high-tech companies in the spotlight today is the day apple plans to pull series 9 and ultra 2 models of its flagship smartwatch from its online store apple will also pull the watches from its physical retail locations on christmas eve this is because of a patent dispute over technology that measures the amount of oxygen in a user's blood Nathan, the U.S. is reportedly considering raising tariffs on Chinese electric cars, and Bloomberg's Amy Morris has the details from Washington. The Biden administration has, for the most part, left the Trump-era tariffs in place on about $300 billion of Chinese goods. Now the White House is considering more levies on EVs and solar products. The Wall Street Journal reports the U.S. wants to limit reliance on China, which has become a global powerhouse in electric cars, while shielding its own green industry. A bipartisan group of lawmakers earlier this month recommended raising tariffs on goods from China and restricting investment in the country. China says raising tariffs would undermine the security of the global supply chain. In Washington, Amy Morris, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Amy, thank you. Now let's get to the latest from the Middle East. The U.S. continues to urge Israel to move its war with Hamas from a large-scale assault to a more targeted operation in Gaza. But Secretary of State Antony Blinken says there's been too much focus on calls for just Israel to end the war. There seems to be silence on the what Hamas could do, should do, must do, if we want to uh, end the suffering of innocent men, women, and children. Um, It would be, I think, good if the world could unite around that proposition as well. Secretary Blinken spoke as Israel's military says it's uncovered a major Hamas command center in the heart of Gaza City. The top Hamas leader is in Egypt for talks on a new ceasefire and hostage prisoner exchanges with Israel. 
Well, Nathan, Yemen's Houthi rebels say they will continue targeting ships in the Red Sea, despite U.S. moves to build an international naval task force to protect trade in the region. The Iran-backed group also warned it's willing to retaliate if the U.S. attack Houthi bases, signaling possible further escalation. Senior White House advisor for energy and investment Amos Hochstein says the Biden administration is focused on defensive action. The United States has joined now in a coalition of uh, approximately 10 countries already in making sure that there are patrols, uh, surveillance patrols of aircraft and ships, mm-hmm. uh, and t- to take defensive measures if needed. Uh, we continue to have con- uh, other conversations with allies uh, to ensure that we have a coalition. And reason for that is because this is not a U.S. concern. This is a global markets concern. And Amos Hochstein spoke to Bloomberg after the U.S. and U.K. navies shot down 15 drones launched from Houthi-controlled areas of Yemen over the weekend. Back home on the political front, Karen, Donald Trump's legal team is urging the Supreme Court to hold off on intervening in his election obstruction case. We get that story from Bloomberg's Ed Baxter. This is the case brought by special counsel Jack Smith saying Trump conspired to overturn the 2020 election. Smith requested the consideration of Trump's immunity claims seeking to ensure the trial can start on March 4th. Trump's lawyers are arguing there has not been identification of a compelling reason for the, in quotes, extraordinary haste he proposes. Trump has long said he wants the cases put off until after the 2024 election. This is the first Trump criminal case to hit the Supreme Court and the court could rule as early as this week whether it will hear it. Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Ed, thank you. Let's turn to some company news. Toyota Motor is recalling about one million vehicles sold in the U.S. that are at risk of having passenger side airbags fail to deploy properly due to a passenger seat sensor issue. They affect some Toyota and Lexus brand sedans. Toyota also said subsidiary Daihatsu Motors offices were raided over a safety scandal, and Toyota shares dropped 4% in Asia. And Karen, a mega media deal may be in the works. Bloomberg News has learned Warner Brothers Discovery held talks on a possible merger with Paramount Global. A combination would unite the Paramount and Warner Brothers film and TV studios and put a number of pay TV and broadcast stations, including HBO and CBS, under a single roof. This is Bloomberg. All right, Nathan, thanks. Time now for a look at some of the other stories making news around the world. And for that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Amy Morris. Amy, good morning. Good morning, Karen. All 10 Americans who were detained in Venezuela and exchanged in a prisoner swap are now back on U.S. soil. Ambassador Roger Carstens flew with some of the freed Americans from Venezuela to Texas. There were obviously the rumors that things might be happening, uh, but I think it wasn't real until someone came to their cell this morning and said, you follow me. Six of the Americans landed at Joint Base San Antonio last night. They'll be evaluated at the Brooke Army Medical Center. If next year's presidential election comes down to President Biden and former President Trump, a new poll indicates Americans are divided. Bloomberg's Scott Carr explains. A Quinnipiac poll Wednesday showed in a head-to-head matchup, 47 percent of respondents supported President Biden, while 46 percent supported Donald Trump. Pollster for the college, Tim Malloy, says that's a statistical tie. 
But in a three-way race with third-party candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Biden's support fell to 38 percent, Trump's to 36 percent, as Kennedy Jr. drew 22 percent, pulling from the support base of both Biden and Trump. Any of the polling we've done has shown that Americans would like another alternative to Biden than Trump. He may be it, he may not be, but he's showing up with a good number. Scott Carr, Bloomberg Radio. In Boston, Mayor Michelle Wu has officially acknowledged and apologized for the harm caused to the black community decades ago when a man told police that his wife had been shot by a black man, but it turned out he had orchestrated the killing himself. Alan Swanson and Willie Bennett were wrongfully arrested for that crime. There was no evidence that a black man had committed this crime. But that didn't matter because the story was one that confirmed and exposed the beliefs that so many shared. The families accepted the mayor's apology, calling it a personal triumph. Several hundred families in Oklahoma City could lose their homes over the holidays. They're given only five days' notice and then 48 hours to get out. Amy Coldren with Housing Authority Shelterwell says women face the brunt of those short-term evictions. 61% of those facing eviction are women, and 71% of those are households with children. State Senator Julia Kurt has introduced to bill giving families 10 extra days to resolve those issues so they can avoid eviction. Global News 24 hours a day and whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now. I'm Amy Morris and this is Bloomberg, Karen. All right, Amy, thank you. And as Amy said, you can get news throughout the day here on Bloomberg Radio. But now, even better, you can get the latest news on demand. And that means whenever you want it. You just subscribe to Bloomberg News Now and you can get the latest headlines at the click of a button. You can get informed on your schedule. You can listen and subscribe to Bloomberg News Now on the Bloomberg Business app, Bloomberg.com, plus Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashauer. John. Karen, it was National Signing Day in college football. The rich get richer. Georgia is said to have had the best recruiting class. Three of the top 12 players in the country headed to Athens. 20 of Georgia's recruits are four-star. And a defensive back who's considered a five-star was going to go to Florida State. Changed his mind. Will go to Georgia. Florida State and Georgia will play next week. In the Orange Bowl, Ohio State able to keep top wide receiver Jeremiah Smith, who had said to be wavering. College basketball, UConn was ranked fifth. The Petty National Champs were 10-1 with four wins over top 15 teams and three over top 10 teams. But the Huskies upset, lost at Seton Hall 75-60. NBA saw Philadelphia beat Minnesota 127-113. The Timberwolves lead the West. It's just their second loss in the last 11 games for Sixers MVP. Joel Embiid, 51 points, 17 of 25 from the field, 17 of 18 from the free throw line. Lakers hoisted that championship banner when they won that in-season tournament since they did that. They're 1-4. They lost at Chicago. LeBron James in defeat, 25 points, just an assist shy of a triple-double. The Knicks beat the Nets. They had lost their last six games in Brooklyn. It was 121-102. to The Celtics won at Sacramento, 144-119. to They did it without... Jason Tatum. Capitals scored in overtime, beat the Islanders 3-2. The Mets have acquired pitcher Adrian Hauser from Milwaukee. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager, headed to the Thursday morning open. Futures are on the rise, but global stocks have been taking a bit of a breather from this month's rally that's uh, pushed equities to their highest levels of the year. Investors may be dialing back some optimism about the Fed cutting interest rates early next year. For more, we're joined by Bloomberg's Kriti Gupta. Uh, Kriti, good morning. It almost looks like the Santa Claus rally got pulled forward just a bit. Is that how things look to you? Yeah, it does actually kind of look like that, except now you're starting to see the consequences of that decision, which is simply that you are going to see a bit of a sell-off going into perhaps the new year. Remember, January is seasonally a lower performing month right next to September after the summer rally that we tend to see. So the natural pullback is already existent. But some would argue that this isn't necessarily a market narrative that we're seeing. This is really a positioning story because not only did the Santa rally get pulled forward, but some of the data, some of the rate cut narrative, and of course the market's anticipation of what Chair Powell was going to say in his last press conference actually did a lot of the work for some of the bulls in the market. There's a lot of questions still, though, isn't there, about whether we are going to get a soft landing next year. A lot of analysts are thinking that a recession is still in the forecast. I mean, what could that mean for stocks heading into 2024? Well, that's part of actually the case for a rate cut. So if you actually look at what people are saying, the last time a rate cut had actually happened prior to COVID, it was in 2019. It was during the Trump era. We were talking about a trade war really upending global trade. And that was when Chair Powell, of all people, by the way, said, we're actually going to cut rates, not because we need to, but because we might need to in the future. The idea of an insurance cut. And that's exactly what the market is saying is going to happen again. That it's not going to be a question of, does the economy hit a recession, but do we start to go in that direction? And Chair Powell and his peers at the FOMC actually say, we see it coming, we're going to act very quickly, and we're going to basically ensure ourselves, cut rates, postpone some sort of turndown. But a lot of pushback against that narrative is that recessions don't happen gradually. They happen very quickly and all at once, and the data deteriorates very, very quickly. And the Federal Reserve naturally, is data-driven. So one data point may not be enough of a canary in the coal mine for them to catch it. Oh, we are going to get a pretty significant, well, a couple of pretty significant data points even before the end of this year. We got GDP coming out and uh, the Fed's preferred inflation gauge tomorrow. I mean, what kind of volatility could we be looking at depending on how those indicators turn out? Yeah, well, a lot of volatility because it's not just about the economic data itself. It's also about the geopolitics. And here's why this really matters. Of course, the war in the Middle East is going to be a big part of that equation. One of the big fears, I imagine what Chair Powell's worst nightmare is going to be is some sort of tick up in inflation. Where does that tick up come from, Nathan? It comes from potentially commodities. It comes from wages. It also comes from a sort of geopolitical conflict that is long lasting. So if you start to see more of a read through into commodity prices or more of a read through into shipping costs, that eventually, if it lasts 
long enough translates into prices for the American consumer. You're already seeing that with some of the shipping companies actually rallying. The stock's actually higher because they can pass on those costs. That is all inflationary, and that's going to really upend any of this dovish narrative that uh, the chair is really setting right now. For the market participants that you're talking to, as we watch these ships steer around Africa to get around the way of the uh, Red Sea, I mean, how do you play this? Well, I mean, the question of the day is, is how do you hedge it? And for so long, so many people were hedging it using the U.S. dollar. But Nathan, going into an election year, that is especially uh, a trade that could go sour very, very quickly. In terms of what the hedge actually is, people are buying back into commodities because at the end of the day, most of the trade that happens in the Red Sea is oil-related. So if you start to see oil prices get higher as a function of higher tanker rates, higher insurance rates of the shipping uh, equation, that is all going to push oil prices higher as well. The reason you're not seeing that in the market right now is because most of it is actually kind of cushioned by the OPEC plus supply narrative. But then, hey, take a look at what you're seeing in the U.S. benchmark, and that move is actually more substantial. What's the bull case uh, for stocks next year, given so much of the uncertainty that we still have? The bull case is simply that the resilience lasts even longer. And you'll remember that a good chunk of the stock rally has really been what a lot might call a magnificent seven, which has really been a function of the AI frenzy. So now you have to see a lot of people deliver on it. Nathan, there is historical precedent for this when cloud was the buzzword a couple of years ago, where Oracle, Alphabet, Microsoft uh, were all kind of competing for being the title of uh, kind of the king of the cloud. And I think what's really important here is that Microsoft really came out and won out on that business because they were able to deliver. AI is very different because they are dealing with far more regulatory challenges, far more labor challenges, and of course, a general understanding of whether or not you actually want AI in everyday societal matters. And that appetite is where you could see really the the case for tech get made or broken and vice versa potentially lead to a rally or, or lead to a major correction. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.